into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, 14 points clear in third place and home of the International Craigs. I am Laurie Dunsire, back again and joined by Mark Donaldson. For national caps, we can always supply like Halkett and Gordon and hopefully soon Barry Mackay. And maybe Mackay, yeah. And, 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 and maybe Mackay. Uh, Hello, hello. One thing you didn't mention at the start was uh, welcome to the 100-minute-long Scarves Around the Podcast funnel, whatever it's called, after that <laughs> cheeky tweet, leave these guys in charge for a couple of weeks, and the podcast is now an hour and 40 minutes long with one of those rolling eyes emojis. Uh, well, yeah. well, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did some editing for you last week, but I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> You've not even finished. You an hour and four. I haven't listened came, to it yet. Still you said to me before we came on here, I'm only an hour in. I was like, there's a long, long way to go. Uh, look, in all seriousness, it is so good to to, to have you back. And um, I, I, I'm, I, I don't care if this gets emotional. I was hoping it wouldn't, but I, I don't care. What I read from you in your letter about Lewis, I you have a hell of a talent, son in putting emotions into prose and the number of messages. I read every single reply, and I know you did as well. And you tell me one person that didn't well up, that didn't cry, that didn't shed a tear when they read that, male and female, and I'll show you a liar, because it was one of the most beautiful things I have ever read at all. And I'm sitting crying here, and I don't care, because what that has done and you'll not realize this you'll probably never realize that what that has done for other people who've maybe gone through something similar is so comforting to them so on their behalf and for everybody else what a beautiful beautiful letter and what a wonderful tribute to lewis so welcome back and and i'm so glad that you're back thank you and um I also have to say thank you to to you guys for for obviously um stepping in and for behind the scenes so to speak you know being there and and helping me through a, a tough time and to to everyone who responded it, it was quite quite touching I um I think I said in what I've written and if people haven't read it they won't have a clue what we're talking about right now but I put something out there via Twitter um about a week back and I think I said within it I never really understood before doing that why people maybe shared kind of moments or you know moments of grief or difficult times like that but I think it did give me some comfort um 
putting it in words and I think the response I was quite uh, overwhelmed with in a good way. So, you know, thank you to you guys and to to everyone who messaged. It, it meant a lot, I think. Um, so, yeah, th- thank you very much for that and for for keeping my seat warm, so to speak. Yeah, I, and look, part of part of you being back means I don't have to. I I probably got about four hours sleep that first um, <laughs> week. I, I first of all, so you sent me a link and Zoom. This is how it works. I'm like, okay, fine. When I logged in today, I'd forgot to log out. So I, the, there were two of you when we logged in today. So that that was confusing. <laughs> then the whole oh shit, what do I do about the graphic? So I just did a Photoshop on my phone, not even a Photoshop, one of these most basic of things and turned 175 into 176. And then I was like, why is it not uploading? So I did it twice, forgot to take the other one off. You're like, have you done two? I was like, no, I've only done one. So um, yes, um, it is. a. But last week, even last week when, when Ewan was on as well, it wasn't actually me or Ryan or Ewan. There was a glitch or something. So do I get away with that one? Do I get pass marks for last week? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Why not? Wow. Why not? Wow. Um, we're doing all right on the pitch. I know you've you've not been on for a couple of weeks. We're um, we're doing all right. A cup semi final against Hibs to come, and a, yep. a good win over Livingston, which we will uh, got time to look back on that this week with with the Scotland in action this week and, and no harms. Um, so you said you'd watched most of the the Hearts Livy game. What what did you think from from what you've seen? Yeah, we will get to that. I have watched. I have watched uh, most of the game back on Hearts TV uh, with the dulcet tones of Craig Fowler this time. Thanks to him and obviously to to Rob Borthwick beforehand for covering on that side of things as well. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, some memorable Hearts seasons as discussed last week between yourself, Mr McGowan and Ewan Murray. We've got some responses on Twitter about that. So we'll have a few things to chat about. And... I guess we don't have a Hearts game to look ahead to next week, but um, worth mentioning as well that Mr. McGowan is back in the Australia squad alongside alongside Atkinson. Yeah, Nasty so that will be that will be interesting. So obviously, all the best to Ryan and to to Nadieka for yeah. But do you know well for but do you know what that means? It means they're watching. They're they're keeping tabs, and I would like to think if Cami can keep up the form that he showed before he got hurt, he would be attracting Graham Arnold's interest as well. Can you imagine Grandfather McGowan, and there's the young whippersnappers, Atkinson and, and Devlin, running rings around him and training, <laughs> pushing him in the pool and, and playing pranks on him. Honestly, imagine, imagine the tales that, that he would have to tell when, when he came back or how many of them would he be able to tell? Oh, well, hopefully a few in here. You know Ryan, he likes to... He likes to let us let us in on the story. So hopefully there'll be a few. And hopefully they get a, a couple of good results. Ryan won't be there for the first match. Uh, but he'll be going to the um, Saudi game away from home. But there's a game yeah. against Japan, first of all. So some yes. really big games. You know, these will be the games that really decide if Australia will be going to, to the World Cup or if they can go automatically or they have to... Yeah go through a potential playoff. I think the likelihood right now, depending on these results, because like they get two good results, the, 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 they'll probably qualify automatically. But the likelihood is right now, it might be yeah. a playoff, uh, which can become a, a bit a, a bit more difficult depending on, on who you get. But it's just great to have him back in, in, in the squad. Um, he, he, was, he was kind enough to tell us um, 
that, that he hadn't made the original squad and he was only on standby. So he was he was a bit bummed by that because he is where he is in Q8 because of the national team manager suggesting that that was probably the best option for him and his World Cup chances. So to get the call, I think he, he said to us, didn't he, on the WhatsApp message group that we have that when he got to Edinburgh, because um, he got there earlier this week, he's got loads of missed calls from Australia. So yeah, that was, that was what had <laughs> happened. So I think why they've done it, Laurie, is they've got a homegrown player in for the Sydney game, or I think it's in Sydney or Melbourne or whatever it is, and then Ryan will just go to uh, Ryan will just go to to Saudi Arabia for for the second one, and and who knows, he's 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 never someone that would complain about not getting game time. He's he's a great squad player, and I'm going to be nice about him now because he's not here. Once yeah, he gets back, can't slag him too much when he's not here. No, but yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so Australia against Japan, and that is um, it is in Sydney, I believe, and then the away game against the Saudis. So yeah, good luck to. To Nathaniel Atkinson, Ryan McGowan, and the rest of the Socceroos. And I guess we'll crack on with the podcast. Mackay now forward to Boyce. Boyce looking for on the Sims in behind. Sims looks across. Goal! There was there. Castle. Three minutes in, and it's already 1 0 to Robbie Nielsen's men. Okay, so let's get started with Heart of Midlothian against Livingston on Saturday just passed. And I think one thing that was great to see, whether you were at the game enjoying the the weather or whether you were watching, was a nice sunny afternoon again. <laughs> it's still it's still March, so that can go either way. That can be that can be snow, that can be anything in Scotland. But it was a lovely sunny afternoon. It almost it- felt like summer was upon us. <laughs> you know what I love about that? Once the temperature gets above 50, like 10, 10 degrees, your money, 50 degrees over here. It's like, right, taps off, ta- taps off. And and, and if not, if then it's short sleeves. Not in the wheat field. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, did you not have a moan one week when it was roasting, but you were up the back of the wheat field and you were freezing? Well, it, it's like a different climate because <laughs> we watch over. See, this is where it depends. If you're in the main stand and it's raining, then you look over and wish you were in the wheat field. Because the bottom of the main stand, the media area, you get soaked. But if it's a nice sunny day, you're looking over the main stand and laughing at everyone in the back of the wheat field in the commentary area where it's it's freezing. So you can be looking over from the wheat field at people in sunglasses and t-shirts, and you can have your jacket <laughs> on, zipped up with a scarf on, shivering. So um, yeah, it, it probably wasn't as toasty as it looked for for Craig Fowler and Jimmy Sanderson and the other fans in the Wheatfield stand. But a lovely day, nevertheless, and probably no change, sorry, no surprise, I should say, that there was not much change to the Hearts team, just one, and that was Aaron McInef coming in and Ben Woodburn coming out. And Mm -hmm. no real surprise at that change because McInef had (laughs) about as quick an impact as you could hope for when he came off the bench against St Mirren. So I think that's probably about the closest to, to bang on that you could expect it from Robbie Nielsen in terms of the players available. Yeah, I think prior to that game, correct me if I'm wrong, had he not named an, an unchanged lineup. I have to say that the distinct lack of negativity on the Hearts Twitter account underneath when they post the team. I mean, I, I'm wondering if... Went on. I wonder, <laughs> it's just, it's, come on, boys and girls. We don't have anything to to, to read and get annoyed at. Um, it, won't, it won't last, I'm sure. I think it was all down to, to who, who was available. And 
I think McInef was was as close to a shoo-in to, to start as as you're going to as you're going to get. And, and right now he's he's found something. We, we have got injuries, so Andy Halliday played on the on, on the left, yeah. um, and it was it was Haring and Benny. And, and I know Benny left on crutches. I hope it's not too serious, and hopefully he's he's available because if we can get him back for the the cup semi, I think. They're hoping John Suter can be back for that, maybe, and, and Cammy Devlin as well. I don't know the full severity of Benny's injury, but as far as the team team selection is concerned, yeah, that, that, that was an obvious one, and, and we got off to a quick start. Indeed, we will get to that, but his uh, early involvement was a positive one. Less than three minutes gone, uh, the opener, and it was the first real moment of note, to be honest. Hearts coming forward, then the left... Ellis Sims rifled the ball across the box. Nathaniel Atkinson really should score, but in the end, almost tees it up and Benny Beningame does score. And it's funny because he's a, a kind of tough tackling midfielder and his goals are almost like tackles. It's like a slight tackle he scores with. <laughs> Stretching and stabbing it in. And uh, it was just good to, it's good to see him getting on the score sheet again. And I just like the involvement of, I think Barry Mackay and, and Liam Boyce are really starting to benefit from yes. their roles in the system. I think, especially Liam Boyce, in terms of there's been a bit of pressure taken off his shoulders. In terms of Ellis Sims is now the target man, the number nine, and Boyce has that the, the role that the number on the back of his shirt suggests he should have, the number ten role. Just some nice little flicks. He's so aware of what goes on around him and involved in the build up in a very small sense before the ball was driven across the box and. Just good to see some more players getting on the score sheet, I think. Benny Benningamy especially. 25th of August, 2017, Everton under 23s away to Chelsea. Benny Benningamy scored in that game. That was the last time Benny Benningamy scored in any game competitive that, that he has played. He's, so never mind back-to-back goals. And from what I'm able to ascertain, that was his only career goal, that goal for the Everton under 23s um, against Chelsea under 23s in, in August 2017. So becoming a bit prolific. And when that ball hits the back of the net, I just wonder deep down if Barry Mackay is thinking, how? Haring last week, Beningamy last week, Benny again this week. I'm the guy with all these flicks and tricks, yet they're the ones that are getting the goals. It was, a, it was you're right. I, I think you, you've described it perfectly. Um, uh, the, the, his, he scores like he tackles yeah. <laughs> um, with, with vim and vigour. And it was a perfect start. And isn't it, isn't it like the, the, the opposite of, of the way it's been right now? Because we went through a tough spell, a smallish tough spell, but it, it wasn't good prior to this run that we're on. But how many times on this podcast, this is what, episode 177, 178, something like that? How many 178 episodes? officially, yeah. The, officially, okay. How many of those episodes in the past have we said, oh God, we've got to try and start the games quicker? Now we seem to be doing that. What? We need to find something to moan about. It'll, we'll find something soon, but right now it's just, it's nice, isn't it? It's nice where so many people are on the same page because they're enjoying their football right now, none more so than Benny Benningamy. I thought you were going to say how many of those 178 episodes of Ryan McGowan and I predicted that Barry Mackay would score. <laughs> we'll get to that. As you'll say, yeah, yeah, hold on, fine. But first this, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> it, it was very Don't controlled. go too far ahead of us. Don't no, take it. I'm st- doing to you what you do to me. Yes. Steady, 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 yes. Uh, steady ten minutes, 
10 minutes, Ellis Sims was denied by Strychek. A, a good save, and it was a lovely reverse pass from that man, Liam Boyce, again. It was a, a very controlled first half, and Hearts yeah. were comfortable. Um, the the negative came in the 33rd minute. There was a mm. challenge from Obelai on Benny Beninkabe, a fine challenge, nothing wrong with the challenge, kind of innocuous, but it's the way, it looks like the way he lands on his leg as he hits the ground after sort of hurdling the challenge. Um, an awkward landing and it's another knee injury mm. uh, the positive is he does walk off he doesn't get stretchered off but at the time of recording this I know there hasn't been an update or a confirmation on the severity of that the worry would be that he was out for a few months this season already with a knee injury and I know Robbie Nielsen was just waiting for confirmation on on how bad this will be I suppose the, the big challenge just now is Cammy Devlin, like you mentioned, is also out, so it does give us a little bit of a an issue there. I think Cammy Devlin, they spoke about being back in a few weeks' time, maybe early to mid-April. But I guess you're looking at maybe Andy Halliday, as he did in the game, stepping into the central midfield role, and Alex Cochran going to left back. But Robbie Nielsen did also highlight Toby Sibick. Yes. as the option because he's signed he is naturally a defensive midfielder and I, I think he struggled a little bit after a good early impact he struggled at center back a little bit over a few games so it, it might be it might be the making of him because of the, f- the first couple of games he played at hearts in his first spell he was defensive midfield and he was terrific i thought so could be could be the big chance for him too yeah we had a, a i thought it was a really interesting conversation last week when you and murray offered the the, the question up, would you give Peter Haring another deal? I've, I've probably not got to that part of the podcast. That was probably no, four that, hours in. That, that, was, that was four hours, 15 minutes into <laughs> the last week's podcast. And my kind of first suggestion was, yeah, of course. Ryan's was like, yeah, but but then you input a, a, a very salient argument forward um, that are we trying to improve our squad next season if we're going to be playing in Europe? So should we be looking at better players? I think for something like this, when you've got a player that's not only capable of of coming in um, and playing that defensive midfield role, he could also play as a centre-back, a kind of break glass in case of emergency. Um, So for for that, I I think what it did, and we went on to talk about what it shows right now, is that we have a fair bit of strength and depth in that area. Now, Quality-wise, look, it might be a drop-off. But we have Andy Halliday, right, who, if everybody's fit, let's be honest, he's probably not in your starting eleven. However, he can fill in at left-back, at left-wing-back, defensive midfield, attacking midfield. If we have an issue at left-back, then he can go there. The issue in defensive midfield, I was looking back to when Benny got hurt against living, sorry, against St Mirren, or it was after the St Mirren game, um, at the end of November. Our next game was against Celtic, and we went with Devin, uh, Devlin and, and Haring. I don't know for sure, but I don't think there have been many, if any, games where we've played without both um, of of Devlin and, and Beningamy. Um, so we we have one or two options. It's it's going to be Haring and either Sibic or, or Haring and um, Andy Halliday. So we're in a not bad position right now. It's like it's not like a what are we going to do now? We don't have anybody for that position. It's not ideal. 
and I just I just keep my fingers crossed that, that he's going to be okay because I think we can live without one or the other if, if they're hurt because it's having yeah. with the other one. But to live with both of them out right now, I think that weakens us. Um, who, who's your first choice, Sibic or Halliday in there with Haring? It's a very tough one because, um, you know, Halliday has been very reliable. He is he is that sort of dependable player that I think he's he doesn't get the plaudits when he plays well and when he does have an off day, everyone jumps on him. Um, I would say there's definitely more potential in, in Toby Civic, but he looked a bit out of his depth at times. Well, to be fair, it was in our poor spell. He was chucked in at centre-back in a team that he'd only just joined. Sure. Um, so I think you just have to trust Robbie Nielsen. He'll know... Um, he'll know who's the best person to slot in. And I guess the good thing in some ways is we're very comfortable in third place. So albeit every game's big, that semi-final is massive. We have two games before it. I know one of them is against Hibs, but if we're going to, if he's unsure, then it's the games against Ross County away and the league game against Hibs where you, you don't experiment but you maybe give someone the opportunity against Ross County. And if, <clears throat> excuse me, if Andy Halliday gets put in there against Ross County and he doesn't perform, then maybe it's a case of, well, Toby gets a chance in the hips game in that position. Right. I, I totally agree with that. The one caveat would be, I think you know what Halliday can do in there because we've seen it before. You're right about Civic. He came in, he played at Easter Road as a centre-back, next game centre-back. So maybe Toby gets a chance against Ross I County. think he played, yeah. And I think you're spot on with regards to not quite experiment because, look, you, you still want, I think we need seven more points. We might not actually need physically to get seven the way that the teams cut each other's throats. But I, I, don't, I don't see how that massively weakens the side. A, a player who has he played that position most of the time when he was here the first time before he got hurt. So I'd start Civic alongside Haring at Ross mm-hmm. County. That's a good and point. If it, if it works, then you keep him in for, for, for Hibernian. Because if you play Halliday in there, what are you doing on the left-hand side? Um, where's is Kingsley Cochran. partnering? Halkett, Cochrane can certainly come in. Yeah. So, yeah, I, for that position, I would, I would put Civic in. See how he gets on, and and it'll be interesting to see what they're what they're working on or or have been doing and will be doing during the international break when they when they come back from a few days off. Yeah, and, and in the same sense, although the, the league game against Hibs is unlikely to have a bearing on us finishing third, the last thing you want is to give them a a mental boost before the semi final by letting them have a get a result at Tynecastle. Right. You know, if we right. if we roll over them in the league game, then it doesn't decide the semi-final, but I tell you what, mentally, if we put a couple of goals past them or def- even more, defeat them comfortably, and they go into the semi-final with the fans already on a downer, licking their wounds, that's a hell of a position to be in compared to giving them even a sniff of a lift by yes. even getting a, you know, performing well and getting a draw or getting a win at Tynecastle. So, yeah, there's. I'm not saying that you start tinkering and playing around with different systems, but no, but Benny's um, likely to be out. So, I, and you don't I'm want to risk experimenting if, against Hibs. I mean, if, yeah, if Cammy Devlin's yeah. like doubtful for the first derby, you know, you could maybe risk throwing him in, but there's a good chance he'll be fully fit by the semi-final. You don't risk them. You don't risk anyone 
for that league game if they might then put them out for the semi-final. So it's, and I would, you know, Robbie knows his squad. He'll know the fitness of everyone. He'll know who's ready and who's not. So we trust him to make those calls. But I think I would be interested in that suggestion from you. Play Toby Civic in that holding midfield role against Ross County and, and see how he see does. How he yeah. yeah. No, that's a, a good suggestion. So halftime, 1-0 Hearts. Fairly comfortable position. Livingston started the second half a little bit better with their best spell of the game. One thing I wanted to highlight in the first minute of the second half, and I want to get your thoughts on this one. Jason Holt, former Hearts player, has a little kick at Peter Haring, which the referee sees and blows his whistle and gives a foul. Very surprised that that was not even a yellow card. Albeit it's 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 not a, a vicious kick by any means. It didn't, it didn't hurt Peter Haring, but to kick out off the ball on a player and the ref see it and give that as an infringement. What's the what's the thinking behind that one to not issue any sort of card? Hold on, I'm going to give you and Anderson the referee a call and find out <laughs> what he's thinking. Uh, it's it's weird. I mean, I don't know if there's other leagues that do this. Supposedly, Willie Collins, the best ref in Scotland, right? And that's totally subjective, but he's probably the most experienced. And he's playing a fourth official role when Ewan Anderson's the referee. I, I don't know how they, they, they go about doing these things. I mean, sure, surely your best officials, if he is that, and a lot of people would say he's not, but should they not be refereeing? I mean, the, I, this is. Willie Collins was uh, probably dying to get on with his red card at that point. Well, it would have been nice because they would have been down to, to 10 men. So, <laughs> I mean, look, I just, I just, I'm not even saying, you know, see if you've got a yellow card. A yellow was the most likely outcome. Having seen. It just seemed weird that someone kicks out and it's not even a yellow card. It was, And it didn't have any bearing on the result. Don't get me wrong. But um, it just surprised me that the referee saw that and didn't think it was worth any card. But I hate, I hate the fact that there are certain people who would say if, if an infringement is committed in the first... I don't know, a minute or two of each half, especially at the start of a game that, oh, but it's my first one. It's nothing to do with it, how many you've had. Yeah. That's when that's when persistent fouling comes in. It's the severity of the challenge. And I'm always intrigued, right? And, and it's possible to know the answer to this. But when we were going back, Stevie Nicol and I, when, when we were writing the, the, the Scotland-Uruguay part of, of his book, when he had that miss, that unbelievable miss, he, he hadn't watched it back uh, since it had happened because he, it's not something you want to be reminded of at the World Cup in Mexico and a, a win for Scotland would have put us through. Um, but when we did watch the highlights back, that's the first time since the game. He hadn't seen the tackle made. Um, I think it was by Jose Batista inside the first minute. But he said, the ref's going to show him a yellow, but he's pulled out a red because he's kind of looked at the card and he's he's kind of went, oh, well, I've got, I've got to do it now. This is days before VAR and everything like that. So that was one of the quickest sendings off ever. But it looked like he wasn't... There was a look on his face after he's given the red as if to say, shh, shh oh, I didn't mean to do that. Who knows if, if that's the case? So there always is... And I've spoken to... I've, uh, we, we had a referees seminar um, involving all the commentators at, at ESPN, and Peter Walton was 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 there. And I, I I like Peter as a guy. I don't think he's up to much on his on BT Sport or whatever. I think he sits on the fence 
too much and doesn't really give uh, the, the opinion that I think they're asking for. But he was the one that said, "Oh, you'd always get, you'd always probably get a tackle unless it was unless it was uh, the, the removal of a limb inside the first <laughs> couple of minutes of a of a game. You, you, you'd get, you'd probably get a stern ticking off." There's usually a, a, a leeway of five to ten minutes. I put my hand up straight away and said, why? I said, the laws of the game don't dictate when a challenge is made. It depends on the severity of the punishment. If the same tackle is made after 60 seconds, then after 60 minutes, it should be the same for both. Yeah, but we had more leeway back in the day. I said, well, that... So we had a big argument about that. I don't understand. A tackle's a tackle. If Jason Hope makes a tackle straight at the start of the second half, there's no difference to the what should be the outcome. The laws of the game don't differ by when a tackle is made. A yellow probably were saying, yeah, he's, he's a lucky boy, because that was that was a bit of a naughty one. But for no outcome whatsoever, was that due to... You say the referee saw it. Was that due to when the tackle took place? Because it shouldn't be. Indeed. But maybe his eyes were clearly focused on the ball. Oh, let's get to that <laughs> later. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Wait, look, when people... You can get to there if you, you want. I mean, I'm, I'm Portius, not going to shoehorn hips, hips Oh, later. Jesus. Porteous and Instagram. I mean, really, that's like putting a child in charge of an axe. Nothing good is going to come from that, right? It's better to be thought of as an idiot than to open your mouth and to prove it. What is he thinking? Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, triple jeopardy, play the ball. Come on, son. And do you know what I was so pleased that they gave an extra game for being just, dickheads and frivolous it just seems bizarre the appeal. Like, I mean, we're talking about the Porteous, uh, Ryan Porteous sending off against Aberdeen, where he absolutely scythes down Ross McCrory, almost takes his leg off and gives away a penalty and gets sent off and Hibbs appealed this and funnily enough it was very quickly rejected and they gave an extra games ban because of the frivolous appeal now how you can look at that and like someone Hibbs must have said you know they're only going to overturn something like that if it's clearly an error like it's Definitely. If it's even borderline, they're not going to overturn it if they think, well, a lot of refs would have given a red. Maybe a ref wouldn't have. Why would you? It just seems so ill-advised to go through an appeal process. It not only costs you money, but will likely then cost you one of your better players for another game. And the Porteous one, he's one of these, and I know Hibs have had a few of these players in the past. I'm, I don't buy into the, I know I've seen a lot of the sort of narrative that he's just a terrible player, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's I don't watch him every player. week. In the the last derby, he was immense. I mean, he's he, not a terrible player. He when he keeps his mind on us, yes. But he's just one of these. But it's like, he, which way is he going to go here? Because he's got he needs to get his head in the game because he's got he's lots of talent. Yeah. But so, and I think, and I think I said this to you guys. I think it was to you and Ryan. I said on WhatsApp, like fans in the club to a degree, sort of backing him in these situations, almost enables them. And not that they're going to come out and publicly slate him, but someone maybe just needs to say, look, you, you can't make tackles like that in football in 2022. You're just going to constantly get cards, keep getting suspended, put your team in situations where you end up well, losing the Aberdeen game. They might have not lost it. You know, Aberdeen would probably have scored from that opportunity, but they would have had 11 players on the pitch to try and do something. 
And in terms of his overall career, if clubs are looking at him going, right, well, mm-hmm. half his highlight reel is only half an hour in a game because he got sent off, then we can't have a player who's going to have seven, eight games of a season on the sidelines. It just seems like he's one of these players where he's, he's actually, when I've seen him play and not get sent off, I'd be very impressed with him. And as I say, I thought he was terrific the last derby yes. against Hearts. Um, but he just looks like he needs to get his head in the game properly. And someone needs to kind of put the arm around him and, and talk him through this kind of stage where he's still, it's still almost up in the air if he's going to be a top player or just your kind of bog standard Scottish Premiership player. I think you've raised a number of good points there. Let's let's get to a few. Enabling, I think that could be an issue for, for Hibs going forward because if you enable someone, back them up when they... Look, they might do something different behind the scenes, but if, it, if the public perception is he his daftness is being enabled then what's to stop him from trying that again? Secondly, as a, a fan of Hearts, first and foremost, and way clear, I'm also a big Scotland fan as well. We we need as many decent centre-backs as we can get. He, on his day, and he showed it against Hearts, when he focuses on football, can be a very good defender. He's got a lot to learn. He's so raw right now. But I, I don't want him to go the way of, of Riordan and O'Connor and the influences off the field take hold and he doesn't become what he could become. I, I, I don't want him to be a, a, an excellent defender for Hibs. They could sell him and he could be a, an excellent defender somewhere else. But from a Scotland perspective, if he does continue, for, from a football ability perspective, um, his, his progress in the game, he's, he's nowhere near the, the, the Scotland squad right now. And I, I wouldn't, I'd take Halkett... Um, over him a hundred times out of a hundred, mm. but he, he's still young, and I, I just hope from a Scotland perspective that he can sort out the the distractions that that he has. Um, and and Josh Doig to an extent might be the, the the same, although he seems to keep himself more to to himself than than certainly Porteous does. It's when when you live in a big city, and I'm not being on a high horse here because Hearts have had players as well in the past who. Have maybe been guilty of of not spending their Saturday nights in the house watching Noel's house party. Instead, they've they've gone out and 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 done daft things. Um, that's where you mentioned about the arm around the shoulder. Then that that that's up to head is how they do it. But if they facilitate that and and they make excuses for that, they're now without probably one of their best players for four games. It's a league ban. So you'll miss the Hearts game, one other, plus two after the split. You'll be available for, for the Cup semi-final. Um, so so that is, is certainly... Hopefully no issue. armour in the shoulder before then. Hopefully it's still... No, no. And, and look, <laughs> this, is a Hearts, this is a Hearts podcast. We're, we're talking about Portis. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's not available. I would, I, I'd be even happier if he wasn't available for the Cup semi as well. Hopefully his lack of game time will mean he's a little bit rusty. Um, but going into a Hibs game, I'm not concerning myself about any of the Hibs players. I think if we if we do what we're capable of doing, it's been a while with the two draws this season um, because both both sides would feel that they might have won the first game. I thought both goalkeepers were brilliant. We probably did enough to win the second game, although there were chances for them near the end. So them without Porteous um, is, is a big blow for them. It's a boost for us. The second thing is, you mentioned a word. It was a scything challenge. Scythe, right? And it's what are we? However many minutes we're into this, it's time for a tangent. And don't edit this out because this <laughs> is this week's tangent. There are certain words that are only used in football 
and maybe one other thing, right? Scythe is either used in football for bringing scythe someone down or in farming for like cutting crops or grass or, or whatever. In the 19th what century. Other, yes. So what other <laughs> words that are used in football are only ever used, they're, they're either never used in any other walk of life or they're from like way back when your great grandfather. Bounce back ability. Well, that's new. We're talking older. There, okay, there, there's, okay. There's certain words, right? And you know what it's like. You bring this up and you can't remember any of them. But I'm sure our lovely listeners will be able to come up with words that are either A, only ever used in football and you never that's hear them elsewhere, one. or B, they're only used in football and only one other place. So a scythe, it's, it's not, that's not a conversation you have down the pub. Did you, uh, did you, did you, did you sharpen your scythe? <laughs> that, that's something from the maybe. maybe someone did. So yeah, there, there's your, there's your brief. That you didn't think you were getting through the six hours of this episode without at least one tangent, did you? No, I, I quite like that. I quite like that. It's um, when I was younger, my dad once bought me. It was one of these stocking fillers. It was actually literally a football lexicon. It was okay. like, a, it was like a a glossary or a, a summary of all these different words and phrases that um that are used in football and have very but some of them would be like old old words that only seem to pop up in football now. So no that's quite good. Any words or even terms or phrases that yeah only get used in, in football. Old fashioned I know that because you'll get stramash and very specific that's football only, isn't it? doesn't apply to anything really else. yeah the, the um, other one sorry was was brace right and in any other walk of life two of something is either a pair a double a duo but when you score two in football you score a brace well one of the other ones i think it's kind of amused me before is i don't really say it. i usually see someone making their their debut but um a debutant it's almost a bit close to a debutante. Is I know when a a young woman um, is like introduced to society. Really? Like, do you not? Know, uh, is, is that not like an American thing where you get the debutante ball or something? Where like a woman is introduced as the, an adult into society. Wow! Like, if you look up debutant without the e, it says a man making his first public appearance, especially in sport. So I don't, you don't, don't really hear it very often, apart from maybe in football. Right. Um, so you've, you've the, the, right. I started this, upper, so I'm not to blame you. Taunt the, with an E. The an debut, upper the, class the, young woman making her first appearance in fashionable society. So that's interesting, right? Because I've done it without the E. And I've got the debutante, which is episode 24 of My Little Pony. It's the one that <laughs> Flutter dashes in. And my daughter watches this. So we're, well, what? <laughs> A debutante is a woman making her debut in society. Mm -hmm. And then in America, you get the debutante ball. What? So imagine someone imagine someone listens to Scars Around the Funnel for the first time and inadvertently fast forwards to this part. And they're like, what the hell? Flutter Dash, my little pony, the debutante (laughs) with an E. I'm sorry. This is a tangent that's 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 gone way yeah, off. And I've and I have like bring it Hibernian back. Fo- son. Bring like Hibernian Football Club with Ryan Portis. I am enabling you here. So yeah, second half. Um, just in the nick of time. I love how you just just jump to it. 
<laughs> it sounds like it's been edited. It's not. Fifty-eighth minute, approaching 58th the hour mark. Yes. Livingston have a little bit of a spell at the start of the second half, but finally, the moment we've all been waiting for. Barry Mackay. Oh. Um, after Nathaniel Atkinson just tees it up, lovely little clip ball into the box. Barry Mackay, uh, nonchalant, just volleys in, measures a volley into the almost top corner of the net. A thing of beauty, lovely goal, and a wonderful reaction from his teammates as well. And you did highlight that almost every week, Ryan and I picked Barry Mackay to score, and then he's never scored, and then um, was it you and Murray said he was going to possibly score, and he did. I maintain I probably would have still said Barry Mackay is going to score if I had been on and had been given the opportunity to do so. Yes, and funnily enough, speaking of words that are used in football and rarely elsewhere, if ever a goal wanted to be described as an orgasmic strike, it was that one. Oh, see when the when Hearts put that on Instagram and slowed it down. Oh my good gracious, what a hit! But the the official Hearts photographer, I think James. He posted a picture, and uh, oh, he he took the picture, and Hearts posted it. The look on Barry's teammates' faces, as if yeah. to say, "What just happened?" It's like finding a four-leaf clover. You hope for it all your life; it's going to happen, but it doesn't. But then, when it eventually does, just when you've given up all hope, no one can believe it. Just as special as that was the noise inside the stadium, because we've all been there. We all know what the sound of a goal at Tyne Castle sounds like. And there are different pitches of that sound. There's a pitch when it's a goal against a side that we expect to beat or we hope to beat. And it's like, a yes, there's a relief sound. There's a joy sound. That was different. That was a lot of things all just rolled into one. And so many people were so happy to see that ball hit the back of the net. He finds it back to Atkinson. Another crossing opportunity will do so. There the far post oh! is in. Barry Mackay has finally scored points. Oh! And just listen to that roar from the Hearts support. One of their absolute favourites, the creativity machine. He hasn't got himself in the goal score sheet until now. So that was the end of the scoring. Uh, Craig Gordon denied Andrew Shinney uh, a good block doing what Craig Gordon does best, making himself very big and blocking at the near post with 14 minutes to go. But Hart saw out the win um, in relative comfort. A, a few things to pick up on. Nathaniel Atkinson, who we've mentioned, you know, really deserved Australia uh, national team call-up. One of, if not the best performance he's put in for Hart so far. Great going forward. He started to do a bit of a Michael Smith-esque roaming inside at times as well, which I like to see. And Craig Halkett as well, just so solid and I'm really pleased that he's managed to get a call up to the Scotland side, as I said at the start, uh, all the Craigs international um, in terms of, oh, is there someone I've forgotten? I don't think so. Um, in, in the Hearts team. And do you know what I also liked in this game, Mark? And and also recently, actually, in the absence of Suter at times, Craig Halkett started dictating play a little bit and setting the tempo more. Yes. I know yeah. he's always, in the, when it's been the back three, he's kind of always been seen as the central, the, the the one who does the basics, right? Wins the headers, picks the ball up, gives it to John Souter because John Souter is 
a better ball-playing defender than Craig Halkett. But he seems to be bringing a bit more to his game. He's got a lot more confidence just now, and I think he played a nice pass to to start the move for the Hearts opening goal, setting the tempo a little bit more from the back. He really seems to be coming onto a game, and I'm just really chuffed for him because he got a lot of stick, and a lot of it was deserved. We will have given him plenty of stick um, in the past, even as early as maybe a year ago. But he really deserved that international call-up, and he's just looking, he's now looking like the player that Hearts got from Livingston, the reason that we signed him from Livingston in the first place. When he signed a new contract, an extension to his contract back in January. I remember a, a phrase from an article that Barry Anderson wrote in the Edinburgh Evening News uh, following an interview with Craig. And the quote was this. He was, Barry asked him about the, the new contract. Was he tempted to look elsewhere? And he simply said, it was all about hearts, if I'm honest. The contract talks began at the start of December. It was such a busy period with games that it was felt it was just best to put it on the back burner and just concentrate on, on my football, which is what we did. He did not speak to one other team. He didn't have his agent or instruct him to go and see what else is out there. The quote, it was all about hearts. That tells me so much. It tells me of how we, we've had patience, we've had faith in him, and at times it didn't look like we were getting the guy that we thought we were getting when he signed. Uh, at times he played in a four and, and maybe struggled. Now you couldn't. We we saw when he was out the difference of results or in results compared with when he plays and and when he doesn't. He missed most of that chunk of of our bad results. He yeah. came back and and guess what? We're back to what got us into this place in in the first place. If that doesn't tell you the importance of Craig Halkett, I don't know what does. Indeed. And he played a big part in Hearts winning that match and going 14 points clear in the Premiership table. Third place, not quite wrapped up, but we're almost there. Okay, we don't have a game to preview next week with Hearts not in action over the international weekend. But last week on the podcast, Mark Ryan and Ewan, we're talking about memorable seasons. And Mark put the homework out there of you guys telling us, you know, what are some of your memorable seasons and, and why? And it could be, it doesn't have to be a season that was particularly memorable in the grand scheme of things for hearts. It could be something that just in particular you yourself liked. And we put this on Twitter. So we'll, I'll go through some of the some of the responses here. Um, Stevie Perry says, 88-89 um, season with a run in the UEFA Cup, Fergie's goal against Bayern, which I think is very memorable and it's the best best run Hearts have had in Europe. A little bit before my time following the club, but I'm sure it's one you remember very fondly, Mark. Yeah, it's the season I picked last week, just for the European run. It was one no one expected anything. We played St. Pat's in the first round, and, and that was pretty comfortable, 2-0 um, home and away. Um, and then after the 0-0 draw against Austria-Vienna at home, the, 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 the hopes weren't overly high because they were they were not a not bad side that we, we could go over there and get a result. And then still the most offside goal in history, it looked like a kid <laughs> to Galloway. And, uh, and, and, and we won it. And then in the next round... Um, 
we kept on going. I mean, we had a really good win against Velez Mostar, 3-0 at home. And, and that, I know we lost, I think, 2-1 over there. But then when the draw was made uh, to face Bayern and Wallace got in trouble for selling TV rights um, wrongly or illegally and got a big fine for it. But that night at Tynecastle against um, against Bayern was was so special. They were jammed in like, like sardines. I think there was over 26,000 at the game. And it was just, it was so special. And, and no matter what Hearts go on to do and, and have done since that game or, or, or before it, it will always be in my top five moments supporting Hearts. Uh, I was just a kid. I was, what, 11, nearly 12 years old. Went with my best pal, Barry. And I still remember singing and dancing along Gorgie Road uh, <laughs> after that game. It, and I know John, John Colquhoun summed it up brilliantly, the second leg and how close they came. And Maradona, Napoli at Tynecastle. Napoli went on to win the trophy that year. But it was just... It, it wasn't like these days where you play 34 games in Europe and that gets you into the competition. Well, and do you know you <laughs> It's funny you said that because I think someone had talked about Celtic in 67 about this sort of thing. It's so different now. You know, the, oh, you play what you play. You can play five or six um, ties for some teams before they even get to a group stage. But, I mean, you play but, eight. If you start I mean, qualifying round one, yeah. remember like Liverpool had to do that that season because they weren't sure about defending champions and they start because they, they played countless. We went to that game over, over in Lithuania. Yeah. So theoretically you've played eight games and you haven't even started in the group stage yet. Yeah. I mean, and not Bayern, to take away from hearts in 88, 89, but it was St. Pat's, Austria, Vienna, Village, Mostar, and they're in the last eight. And that's the quarterfinals against Bayern. Look how I mean, many games Rangers have had to play this season to I get to, to where they are. Well, when but Celtic won it, when Celtic won the European Cup, they played FC Zurich, Nantes, Vojvodina and Dukla Prague and they were in the final of the European Cup mm -hmm. <laughs> it just shows how crazy things have how much it's changed but it was um, a great season it, it, it was a it was a really good season yeah. out of out of interest I'm just having a little look here where did we finish in the table did we finish sixth it wasn't a great league campaign but it, part of me wonders this season I think Rangers have got to be careful Right, because against Dundee, they were rotten and they still got all three points. It's such a high playing in Europe. And, and that Bayern game, I mean, the adrenaline and everything, it's just what what an occasion it was. For them to go to to beat Dortmund and, and then have that, I think they drew with Motherwell the next again game, uh, having led by two goals to nil. I just worry for them this season that they might get past Braga, but the league might just eke away and slip away from them while Celtic mm. just go... Because I don't think Celtic have been that great either. I don't, I don't care who, win, who wins the league. All I care about is, is whoever wins the cup is... Uh, if it can't be Hearts, then it's, it's Rangers or Celtic to ensure that, that we get in there. But it's so hard. And West Ham will find it as well. Their league form has, has, has kind of fallen away a little bit, but their, their European form has, has been excellent. It's so difficult, Laurie, to, to keep that form on on so many different levels. Liverpool are going for a quadruple. This next, what, three weeks, they've got City twice. Um, they've got the Champions League as well. Very, very difficult to uh, to, to yeah. do and be successful in, in so many games. And that's what Hearts found that season. Um, did really well to get to Bayern in the quarters, but the, the league form was meh. Uh, we've got a couple of mentions for 85-86. Corner Radish says, my first full season as a Hearts fan and went to most of the home games. 
the unbeaten run coming from nowhere, the virtual guarantee of a robo goal every week, the sheer mm. romance of it all, even with the heartbreaking climax. Uh, Mike Harrison says, well, 85-86 was unforgettable for reasons we all know about, but to think against Dundee United and then Clyde Bank, we had basically won the league all but in name. Their attends have never been back to Dens Park since and never wow. will. And um, I can understand. We won't, we won't, del- we won't dally on, on that season too much. I know we've went no. through that heartache a few times yeah, but before. The, but, yeah. the, but the time, I mean, the, there's still footage and, and Amaruso lets it runs um, YouTube channel and, and Twitter account. You can request any kind of game you want and he'll, he'll do his best to, to upload it. Just to watch Robbo strike at Tanadice. Uh, we'd, we'd beaten them at Hamden the week before and we were riding the crest of a wave. We'd, we'd beaten Rangers at the end of March and and we were flying. And the, the Aberdeen game on a Sunday, I think I remember, was on STV and Colhoun equalised late on. The Clydebank game was so bloody annoying because that was a right... I remember going into that game and everyone's... Because Clydebank were rotten that year. Everyone's saying, right, this is a proper chance for Hearts to, to really boost the goal difference. And took, what, half an hour or so, Gary scored, and then you think, right, that's it. Let's let's really boost the goal difference. And and we didn't, and it finished it finished 1-0. But it's funny how a season that's, I mean, what's that, 35, 36 years ago, um, is still so fresh in the memory of, of, of those. It was my first season, and, and the person that emailed you as well, saying exactly the same. I just wonder, Laurie, if we'd won the league that year, if Hearts and Rangers, who went on under Sunes to have that great success, if it might have been different, and because I know Celtic won it, won it that year, but would it have been a three-horse race in seasons to come? Would Hearts be up there with with Rangers and Celtic, or would Rangers have gone ahead uh, of everybody and, and Hearts and Celtic battled it out for best of the rest? No one knows. It's an interesting one. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Graham Robertson says 91-92 main memories are Robbo and Crab banging them yes. in those Celtic two scored two two one, 37 one, goals between them that season and a little more random Derek Ferguson being levels above everyone else during the during the rondos in the warm up rondos rondos mm. um, anyway and of course watching it all from the family enclosure another good season another good season 91-92. The Celtic win at Celtic Park at the beginning of the year was 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 phenomenal. Uh, there's a great camera angle. I think it's Crabbo's goal, the, the one that just bends around maybe Pat Bonner in, in the goal. Um, and and it's funny. I'm, I'm I'm actually just looking at that season right now. I have no recollection whatsoever. And I remember the game, but I've got no recollection of the Aberdeen four 0 defeat being the week after we lost. Uh, we beat Celtic at, at Celtic Park, and then. Then we lost at uh, at Airdrie. Um, yeah, that was around the time we, we started to play. I mean, Airdrie were in the top division. Jimmy gone there by that stage, Jimmy Sanderson. Um, but we, we had a good squad. We had a good squad of players back then. And uh, Crab, Crab's goals and Robbo's goals, just, just brilliant. But the unsung hero for me in that campaign was John Miller. Loved him. Let's have a look what else we've got. Uh, 97-98, no surprise, this came up. Mm-hmm. That was picked by Ewan on the podcast last week. Mike Hamilton says, 97-98, <clears throat> for all the obvious reasons. 
Davy Holt says May the 16th, 98, even better than 2012. Um, Agreed, yes. Wallachy says 97, 98. I'd moved back from Oxford and started work in Edinburgh after finishing off postgraduate work. Went to many away games in the league and cup, culminating in my favourite game ever. I still ponder it now, 25 years later. Uh, David Blythe says that season, Jose Katongo's goal against Celtic, the oh, carnage that followed. Jim, Jim Jeffries, yeah, just about in the <laughs> middle of the pitch. And um, Ross McPherson says, 97-98, quality squad and how well we played. Special memory of taking my son to his first Hearts game. And of course, the cup win. And indeed, Ross McPherson, my dad, also took me to my first Hearts game that season. Um, although, <laughs> it's funny, I told um, I told my girlfriend this recently and she said I'd, I'd never told her before. My first Hearts game was the Aberdeen away game that season and I made my mum take me and I'm pretty sure I cried to and to make her take me to the game. The 4-1 game? Yeah, my dad was working and I really wanted to go and I don't think she wanted to and I'm pretty sure I made a scene. And I was, I was, I was too old really to be having tantrums. But what age were you in '97? Eleven. I'm pretty sure I made a scene because I wanted to go. Eleven. I was thinking you were going to say seven or eight. You're making. (laughs) I know it's it's embarrassing. Eleven. That's like fully grown, nearly. I know. I know. I'm pretty sure I made. I at least made a scene that I I really wanted to go, and and I either pretended or I was genuinely. Very upset, and in the end, she took me. My one four one. She took me and my little sister, who had absolutely no interest and still has no interest in football. Um, but my dad took me to our first game together, and it was actually just it was the. This is what Amaruso lets it run is fantastic for. But he put the video out. It was the the game where Jim Hamilton scored the winner at Tanadice in March ninety eight. It was 24 years ago this month. That was the first game I went to with my dad. And it was also the game, you might remember when Tony Brown was on the podcast, that he had his nose broken. Oh, that, <laughs> it was, yes. It was, <clears throat> someone's shot in the warm-up. Was it Jim Hamilton? It was Jim Hamilton, I think, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was. I think, that was... A, sorry, on you go. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure our episode when Tony Brown came on and told us a story, I'm pretty sure I named it Jim Hamilton broke my nose. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the the semi-final against Falkirk was I've watched this back a few times since I've, I think the highlights are on YouTube on from Sports Scene that night and I, Kevin McAllister's performance that day was, was phenomenal the game was at Ibrox decent crowd we, we took a lot through and we scored early through Stefan Adam but it was I'm not saying we, we were held, holding on but it was a good squad we had that year, a really, really good team. And the, the Falkirk game, I mean, the, look, the cup final takes care of itself and everyone's got their own memories about that day and the sunshine at, at Celtic Park. But the semi-final um, against Falkirk, because the, the run, I mean, we, we comfortably beat Air United and Albion Rovers and Clyde Bank. The club actually lost money on that cup run because that was around the time where season tickets started. I think the year after or two years after, they, they had to put season tickets um, only league games because yeah. <laughs> season ticket included cup ties, right? So we played Clyde Bank. So if you're a season ticket, you didn't have to pay for that. And we got another home draw against Albion Rovers and another home draw against Air United. And there was like over 15,000 at the Air United game. So Hearts lost money because they had to give Air half the half the gate. Um, 
and and they did with Albion Rovers as well. Uh, and the game against Clyde Bank, they had to do the similar. So the semi-final against Falkirk was it was a great day out with the end result, but there were some nervy moments in that one. And then the final, everyone, as I said, everyone's got their story. For, for me, one of the most emotional things about that final was see, and I know he was an unused sub, was to see Robbo going up and yeah. getting a medal. That that was everything. Definitely. No, I agree. Um, what else we got? 2014-15 comes up. Kyle Borthwick says 2014-15 championship season. Dave Sutherland says championship season with Rangers and Hibs in the league was the last season going to games with my dad. Fond memories, especially our last game on Remembrance Day against Wraith. Uh, Liam Wilson says that season as well. Fans pulling together to save the club from administration and possible liquidation. Massive turnover of players with some very shrewd free agent signings winning the championship at a canter and leaving Rangers and Hibs behind to get back to the top flight. And that is a, a great season. Um, obviously, we were in the second tier. Very different feeling than the more recent time in the second tier. Uh, everyone pulled together. It was a great solidarity, like, like was highlighted there by Liam. And I think it was there was a novelty about it at that yes. point. I know in the 70s and 80s, Hearts had too much experience um, down a division, but for you know, for for myself and for fans of a younger generation, it was something different. And we had you know trips to the likes of Palmerston, um, away to Alloa even felt like a novelty at that point, although second time around less so. And it was just it was just a great experience on terracing it just felt like a a blast from the past almost even though it was the present day we had that lovely kit that we wore which again made Mm -hmm. it feel very retro so yeah it was a great season and and obviously on the park we were fantastic under the stewardship of a a a young forward-thinking manager (laughs) i remember being at easter road the season before and Robbie Nielsen, I'd come back, was it for the Inverness Caledonian League Cup tie that we lost with, with yeah. 11 men against nine? And Robbie, I saw Robbie in the, the bowels of Easter Road. He was the reserve team coach at the time, and I, I think I'd been able to see them play when I was home on one of the rare trips. And I just, I just remember really enjoying the style that his team was playing. Um, and, and ultimately, he, he went on to, to become Hearts manager and and had that similar style. And it's not until you look at the league table, and, and some people might forget, of the Hearts played 36 games, right? It was a 36-game season, unlike the top flight, which is 38. We finished 21 points clear <laughs> of Hibs and 24 points clear of Rangers. I mean, we won of the games that we played away from home totaling 18 we won 14 and drew two of them we only lost two away and one at home and it did have that that feeling i was i wasn't lucky enough to to go to these places but i'm sure those of a certain vintage will remember previous trips to palmerston when we were really shite and they didn't have chips and curry sauce which apparently they had then the 10 nil against cowden beef but when i one of my first seasons, what was it, 87, around that time, we beat Hamilton 7-0. And I remember Sandy Jardin scored in that game. And that, this was just some... Seven! That's like written in letters on the Vinny printer because you've you've scored that many goals <laughs> on grandstand. Um, so to get seven, I, I thought, I'll never, see, I'll never see my team score more than that. But to, to score 10 against Cowdenbeath... Um, just, I think there was something for it. If that was your first season, 
going to watch Hearts as a youngster, you're hooked. Yeah. You're hooked. The problem might be, it's like, well, I remember when we used to score all these goals and whatever, and it, it might set the bar too high. But what an opening season that would be if that was your first campaign. Indeed. Uh, another season mentioned, which which I always think of quite fondly, uh, is by Gordon Sarkis. It's 0203. Season started with the original 5-1, then the 2-1 Stampaloni at Easter Road, 4-4 Happy New Year, finished third at the end. It was original, effective Levine football, the start of some heady days for us. Also, it was a season of that Austin McCann screamer against Celtic in the sunshine. And it was a it was a fantastic season. It's also the first season that I started going to football with with some mates. Uh, went with plenty of games with my dad as well, but first game um, went to with a few other guys, my friends John and Kev, so it's always a bit different going to the pub, even though we weren't quite old enough, but getting to go to the pub beforehand and some great days out. And Although it wasn't the prettiest football, to say the least, from Craig Levine, it was effective and it was still very exciting at times. It was, unfortunately, one of my memories, uh, the Hibs game to take care of itself. It's like every derby got better. I was kind of pleased in a way that there wasn't a fourth derby that year because how the hell do you eclipse the previous three? But it did have its, its downsides. One of them was an absolute pants-down arse spanked at Brockville. Um, we were three goals down inside 17 minutes in the Scottish Cup to four. And that was it. We were done. We were out of the cup inside 20 minutes. And we, we bounced back well in, in, in the league, winning three of the next four. But that was a – no one expected. They had some decent – Colin Samuel was fast. He ended up getting a hat-trick. Owen Coyle was wily and knew what, how to kind of play. And, but that, that game, I think the football wasn't brilliant, but we had enough form going into that. And I think there was another game – I certainly remember the Motherwell game, but the reason I'm talking about that one is another negative. Was that not the one that Wilfred Weffield Yeah, the 6-1 pumping where we had like, um, yeah, we were down the yes. bare bones, but no, there, 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 were some, there were some down points. And when Andy Webster was on the podcast, I think he was reminiscing about um, Craig Levine uh, tearing them to shreds at halftime in that one. He said Kevin McKenna and Phil Stamp were getting the, the brunt of it. David uh, Dunn no. played in that game. My, my, yeah. John Knox came on for Wilfred Weffield. <laughs> oh, on the but, whole, it was a yeah. Well, was on a the whole, it's a good season. I don't want to. I don't want to bring it down with those with those two defeats because there were so many positives. Um, but the the Hibs, that's the Hibs season. That's the 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 five one, the yeah. two one at Easter Road, and, and the four four, and it always will be the the Hibs season. Oh uh, five oh six, uh, another. Fairly obvious one. Sean Donnelly mentions it, just says, just a mad season. Thomas Clark said, Takis singing Champions League, na, 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 yep. after the midweek game under the lights against Aberdeen to cement mm-hmm. second place. What an atmosphere Sa- that night, Laurie. Oh, I know. Crazy. Oh, goodness. On a Wednesday night. Tension as well before the uh, all outpouring of both Aud- relief and jubilation. Yeah. Um, Sam said, want to say 0506, my second season supporting Hearts and the best we've had, but I'm taking plenty of marks off for the false expectations it gave me. And that, there's probably a lot in that, to be fair. You know, when we, I've said it on this show and I think you've said it and Ryan said it before and I've seen loads of people saying it when we have this, you know, Hearts are sitting third and we're expecting that Hearts should be doing better than third and maybe 0506 has a lot to answer for with a, a generation thinking that that's what we should aspire to. It's funny in the current climate, 
All right, with everything that's going on with with Chelsea and the issues there with Newcastle and owned by Saudi, success for your football team when you turn a blind eye to potentially where the money has come from, if it's for ill-gotten gains or or whatever, whether it's a case of sport washing or, or whatever it is, when it benefits you, you kind of, you shouldn't, but how many of us were like, well, we, we didn't ask because sometimes you don't ask questions because you don't want the, the answers um, or you don't want the answers that you know you're going to hear. 0506 was, was a madcap, brilliant, crazy season, which promised so much more. But looking back now and looking at the mess that we were left in, looking at the players that we clearly couldn't afford, I was just listening to, to uh, subscribe to Graham Spears' podcast that he, he, he does, and he was on with Alex Thompson from Channel 4, and Alex was, he didn't give a damn about the abuse or anything that he got from the Rangers fans, because Alex was uh, one of the main reporters in the, the Rangers liquidation story, and, and Alex is adamant that they, it, because it, it was totally illegal, and, and they should have to hand their trophies back, and they were ill-gotten gains, and they shouldn't have been allowed to, to do what they did because the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom said it was wrong. Yet, due to so many people in a position of power, just kind of, oh, well, okay, well, don't do it again. It's, it's naughty or whatever. We, we, we look back at that and what Rangers did. We look back or we look now at, at Chelsea and the issues that they're having because of Abramovich and, and Newcastle and, and various others. I'm not putting hearts in, in, in the kind of same... Um, as, as Saudi Arabia or anything like that, because Romanov did what Romanov, uh, Romanov did. But we ultimately can be guilty, I suppose, of, of hypocrisy because we supported a team. It wasn't our fault they were supporting them, but we were paying players money we didn't have. And if Romanov hadn't come in, we would have been at Murrayfield, right? So thank God Romanov came in. And I wouldn't have changed anything about it, but it's just a kind of, just be careful when you're criticising others because it's easy to... And I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty as anybody else. You have a go at someone because their owners have done this or their owners can't afford that or, or whatever. But from a Hearts perspective, we were successful that year in winning the Scottish Cup, ultimately with a lot of players that we shouldn't even have had at Tyne Castle. So I suppose when you look at it from, from that perspective, you don't really want to look at it from that perspective. No. If no. you're being fair... Uh, let's not be fair. Um, <laughs> thank you for the suggestions. Some, some of which are obviously fairly obvious, but some, some good ones in there, and it's always good to reminisce. Although I'll just close by reading out John McKellar. One of the things he said was, "As a New York Yankees fan, Mark will get mm-hmm. it. The only important success is the next one, and hopefully, yeah. there's some very soon." Right, well, we don't have a game to preview, so that just about brings us to the end of this week's Scarves Around the Funnel. Uh, The homework which Mark set out is for you to give us some of your favourite, we'll say favourite words or phrases. Yes. That that only only seem to get associated with football now. Maybe they only ever have been associated with football, but things that maybe used to, in the past, be associated with other things, but now only ever seem to be used in a football sense, be that by commentators or pundits or just fans or general public or whoever. What do we have? We have Stramash, we have Scythe. 
We have Do you know what you always hear? And I always think of um I always think of some of the old hearts videos and John Cummings saying it um part and parcel. Everyone was part and parcel of the game. Part and parcel. Um yeah, John Cumming, I'm pretty sure in some of the old interviews I saw of him, we'd always like that term. I guess it was just a bit of an old fashioned one. But yeah, anything like that, give us a tweet at around the funnel or you can email podcast at scarves around the funnel uk. Um Good luck to Craig Halk and Craig Gordon on international duty with Scotland. They've got a friendly match coming up this week. And good luck to Nathaniel Atkinson and to Mr. Ryan McGowan on international duty with Australia. We'll be back next week. And until then, thank you for tuning in. It's only words and words are all I have to take your heart away. Everlasting words And dedicate them all To me